0: chapter four of russian fairy tales by william ralston shed and ralston this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kevin davidson part six in one of the skazkas a malignant witch is destroyed by a benignant female power it had been predicted that a certain baby princess would begin flying about the world as soon as she was fifteen so her parents shut her up in a building in which she never saw the light of day nor the face of a man for it was illuminated by artificial means and none but the women had access to it but one day when her nurses and mamjely had gone to a feast at the palace she found a door unlocked and made her way into the sunlight after this her attendants were obliged to allow her to go where she wished when her parents were away as she went roaming about the palace, she came to a cage in which a Jarptitza lay, as if dead. This bird, her guardians told her, slept soundly all day, but at night her papa flew about on it. Farther on she came to a veiled portrait. When the veil was lifted, she cried in astonishment, Can such beauty be, and determined, to fly on the Jarptitza to the original of the picture?' So at night she sought the Jarpetitsa, which was sitting up and flapping its wings, and asked whether she might fly abroad on its back. The bird consented and bore her far away. Three times it carried her to the room of the prince whose portrait she had so much admired. On the first and second occasion he remained asleep during her visit, having been plunged into a magic slumber by the Jarpetitsa, but during her third visit he awoke, and he and she wept and wept and exchanged betrothal rings. So long did they remain, talking, that before the Jarptitsa and its rider could get back, the day began to dawn. The bird sank lower and lower and fell to the ground. Then the princess, thinking it was really dead, buried it in the earth, having first cut off its wings, and attached them to herself, so as to walk more lightly after various adventures she comes to a land of mourning why are you so mournful she asked because our king's son has gone out of his mind is the reply he eats a man every night thereupon she goes to the king and obtains leave to watch the prince by night as the clock strikes twelve the prince who is laden with chains makes a rush at her but the wings of the Tsar ptitsa rustle about her and he sits down again This takes place three times, after which the light goes out. She leaves the room in search of the means of rekindling it and sees a glimmer in the distance, and sets off with a lantern in search of it. Presently she finds an old witch who is sitting before a fire, above which seethes a cauldron. "'What have you got there?' she asked. "'When this cauldron seethes,' replied the witch, within it does the heart of prince ivan rage madly pretending to be merely getting a light the princess contrives to splash the seething liquid over the witch who immediately falls dead then she looks into the cauldron and there in truth she sees the prince's heart when she returns to his room he has recovered his senses thank you for bringing a light he says why am i in chains thus and thus she says you went out of your mind and ate people, whereat he wonders greatly. The Jarptitsa, or firebird, which plays so important a part in this story, is worthy of special notice. Its name is sufficient to show its close connection with flame or light, and its appearance corresponds with its designation. Its feathers blaze with silvery or golden sheen, its eyes light like crystal, it dwells at a golden cage. In the depth of the night it flies into a garden and lights it up as brightly as could a thousand burning fires a single feather from its tail illuminates a dark room it feeds upon golden apples which have the power of bestowing youth and beauty or according to a croatian version on magic grasses its song according to bohemian legends heals the sick and restores sight to the blind We have already seen that as the phoenix of which it seems to be a slavonic counterpart dies in the flame from which it springs into life again so the jarptice sinks into a death-like slumber when the day dawns to awake to fresh life after sunset one of the skazkas about the jarptice closely resembles the well-known german tale of the golden bird but it is a chapbook story and therefore of doubtful origin. King Vyslav has an apple-tree which bears golden fruits. These are stolen by a Jarptitsa which flies every night into the garden, so he orders his sons to keep watch there by turns. The elder brother cannot keep awake and see nothing, but the youngest of the three, Prince Ivan, though he fails to capture the bird, secures one of its tail-feathers. After a time he leaves his home and goes forth in search of the bird. Aided by a wolf, he reaches the garden in which the Jarptitsa lives, and succeeds in taking it out of its golden cage. But trying, in spite of the wolf's warning, to carry off the cage itself, an alarm is sounded, and he is taken prisoner. After various other adventures he is killed by his envious brothers, but of course all comes right in the end in a version of the story which comes from the Bukovina, one of the incidents is detailed at greater length than in either the german or the russian tale when the hero has been killed by his brothers and they have carried off the and their victim's golden steed and his betrothed princess as long as he lies dead the princess remains mute and mournful the horse refuses to eat the bird is silent and its cage is lustreless But as soon as he comes back to life, the Princess regains her spirits and the horse its appetite. The Zharptitsa recommences its magic song, and its cage flashes anew like fire. In another Skazka, a sportsman finds in a forest a golden feather of the Zharptitsa, like fire does a feather shine. Against the advice of his heroic steed, he picks up the feather and takes it to the king, who sends him in search of the bird itself. Then he has wheat scattered on the ground, and at dawn he hides behind a tree near it. Presently the forest begins to roar, the sea rises in waves, and the Jarb Tsa flies up, lights upon the ground, and begins to peck the wheat. Then the heroic steed gallops up, sets its hoof upon the bird's wing, and presses it to the ground so that the shooter is able to bind it with cords and take it to the king in a variant of the story the bird is captured by means of a trap a cage in which pearls large and small have been strewed i had intended to say something about the various golden-haired or golden-horned animals which figure in the skazkas, but it will be sufficient for the present to refer to it the notices of them which occur in professor de Gubernatis' zoological mythology AND NOW I WILL BRING THIS CHAPTER TO A CLOSE WITH THE FOLLOWING WEIRD STORY. THE WARLOCK THERE WAS ONCE A MUJIK, AND HE HAD THREE MARRIED SONS. HE LIVED A LONG WHILE, AND WAS LOOKED UPON BY THE VILLAGE AS A COLDUN, OR WIZARD. WHEN HE WAS ABOUT TO DIE, HE GAVE ORDERS THAT HIS SON'S wives SHOULD KEEP WATCH OVER HIM, AFTER HIS DEATH, FOR THREE NIGHTS, TAKING ONE NIGHT APIECE that his body should be placed in the outer chamber, and that his son's wives should spin wool to make him a caftan. He ordered, moreover, that no cross should be placed upon him, and that none should be worn by his daughters-in-law. Well, that same night the eldest daughter-in-law took her seat beside him with some gray wool, and began spinning. Midnight arrives, says the father-in-law from his coffin, "'Daughter-in-law, art thou there?' She was terribly frightened, but answered, I am. Art thou sitting? I sit. Dost thou spin? I spin. Grey wool? Grey. For a caftan? For a caftan. He made a movement towards her, then a second time he asked again. Daughter-in-law, art thou there? I am. Art thou sitting? I sit. Dost thou spin? I spin. Grey wool? Grey? For a caftan? for a caftan. She shrank into the corner, he moved again, came a couple of yards nearer her, a third time he made a movement, she offered up no prayer, he strangled her, and then lay down again in his coffin. His sons removed her body, and next evening, in obedience to his paternal behest, they sent another of his daughters-in-law to keep watch. To her just the same thing happened, he strangled her as he had done the first one. But the third was sharper than the other two. She declared she had taken off her cross, but in reality she kept it on. She took her seat and spun, but said prayers to herself all the while. Midnight arrives, says her father-in-law from his coffin. Daughter-in-law, art thou there? I am, she replies. Art thou sitting? I sit. Dost thou spin? I spin. Gray wool? Gray. For a caftan for a caftan. Just the same took place a second time, a third time, just as he was going to rush at her. She laid the cross upon him. He fell down and died. She looked into the coffin. There lay ever so much money. The father-in-law wanted to take it away with him, or at all events that only someone who could outdo him in cunning should get it. In one of the least intelligible of the West Highland stories, there is a scene which somewhat resembles the like in this Skazka. It is called The Girl and the Dead Man, and relates, among other strange things, how a youngest sister took service in a house where a corpse lay. She sat to watch the dead man, and she was sewing. In the middle of the night he rose up and screwed up a grin. "'If thou dost not lie down properly, I will give thee one leathering with a stick.' He lay down. At the end of a while he rose on one elbow and screwed up a grin, and the third time he rose and screwed up a grin, when he rose the third time, she struck him a lounder of the stick. The stick stuck to the dead man, and the hand stuck to the stick, and out they were. Eventually she got a peck of gold and a peck of silver and the vessel of cordial, and returned home. The obscurity of the Celtic tale forms a striking contrast to the lucidity of the Slavonic. The Russian peasant likes a clear statement of facts. The Highlander seems, like Coleridge's Scotch admirer, to find a pleasure in seeing an idea looming out of the mist. End of chapter four. Recording by Kevin Davidson. www.blogordie.com